What is up, podcast fam? Welcome back to the Energy Exchange Podcast, where I sit down with some of the brightest minds in health and wellness and really extract knowledge, wisdom, so that you can implement these different practices and protocols into your life. And I really believe that life is an energy exchange. We're constantly giving, we're constantly receiving. And the more that we can create synchronicity with our energy exchanges, the more our lives will be fulfilled with joy, with abundance, with happiness. And especially with what's going on in the world right now, it's so important that we think outside the box and find ways to really connect with people virtually. And I really encourage you to think about your friends, your family, and see what you can do to exchange energy with those people. I'm so excited for us to be on this journey together. I genuinely appreciate you so much. And let's get in to today's show. What? is up everybody welcome back to the energy exchange podcast ladies and gentlemen boys and girls you have no idea how i am excited for this next guest because i've tried connecting with this dude uh, for the last few months and and he's pretty elusive traveling the world but now he is grounded so he could not escape me and we are making this magic happen. I am so excited to introduce to you Jonah Kest. And Jonah was born into a yoga legacy. He was destined to follow this very unique path. And at the age of three, Jonah was literally walking the yoga room with his dad. And shortly thereafter, he began to learn the importance of a daily practice and even meditation. So Fast forward 14 years. At age 17, Jonah trained under his dad to become a teacher, and his passion and grace was evident. And after that, Jonah just really committed to elevating his practice, and that mind-body connection really influenced his life, and now he's sharing it with people all over the world. And Jonah is a well-traveled Ashtanga vinyasa teacher whose classes are very unique because they're graceful and intense. Uh, impermanence, which we're going to dive into later, compassion and humility are just few of the elements that Jonah seamlessly weaves through each healing practice. In addition, his plant-based diet and love for creating raw, rich vegan meals has also become a passion and healing modality. Dude, that was a mouthful, Jonah. My man, welcome. You got it all in. Thank you for the epic introduction, brother. Hell yes, my dude. Welcome, welcome. How are you feeling today? Dude, I'm feeling really good. High energy. I got a good night's sleep last night and uh, got my practice in this morning and uh, feeling great. I love is, it, uh, bro. Yeah, I'm glad we're able to connect via Zoom. I mean, I'd rather be there standing up with you in person, but we're doing the best we can. Yeah, dude. I'm just, I'm so grateful that we have these tools and, and we're still able to maintain a level of connectedness you know, that wouldn't be available even 10 years ago. So yeah. 
So I'm really grateful for that. And dude, I really just want to dive into this because you, you know, following your journey the last maybe six, nine months, you're always in a different exotic country place around the world. Mm. And I'm just curious to know these last four to six weeks where you've kind of been forced to ground at your home base in Michigan. What has that transition been like for you? Yeah, it definitely hasn't been an easy one. Um, but it's definitely been a, a transition that is teaching me a lot. Mm-hmm. So I was on this, this journey. I was, I was back home, but I, I left home and then I went to New Zealand. And from New Zealand, I was planning on this epic adventure, basically leading up all the way into July for our teacher training that we're leading there. So I had this epic whole thing planned out. I was going to India. I was going to all these different countries in between and all these things planned and, you know, it just all vanished. So it really tested my non-attachment and it tested me just mm. to make adjustments. So I was in New Zealand and I was basically going to ride it out there. It didn't really hit me yet quite about what was really happening on a global scale. So as soon as it hit me, I, I got on a last minute emergency flight out of Auckland to LA and then LA to Detroit where I'm, I'm based currently. And um, yeah, man, I've just been making adjustments. At first I was like, ah, this is going to pass. I'm just going to keep planning stuff for the, the future. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me, you know, people like you really inspired me just the way you're kind of tackling the, the online community and the way you're creating community through your network online. So I just started doing these live yoga classes. I, I've been streaming them and you know what, man, it's, it's scary because they really work. And I get all these messages. It's really helping people. And I think it's really going to change how yoga studios run their businesses. I think after this, it's a little scary, but it's just more convenient for students to just stay home. Mm. Don't have to drive 30 minutes into traffic to go to the studio. So we'll see what happens. I, I personally prefer the touch. I like to have people hold hands. I really like to just be, be there. But yeah. this online stuff, man, has taken over. So, Yeah, man. And, I, and I, I think, like you said, it's so important to be able to shift and to adapt. So would you say that the biggest lesson you've learned in the last month through this experience is that, that idea of non-attachment? Yeah, you could say non-attachment. You could also say, I mean, there's so many lessons. I think the whole world is learning right now. It's almost like, you know, kind of like how the stock market, they call it, it like it took a crash. I think we needed that crash just for all of humans, just to kind of reset. We needed to equal out. We were riding this wave that just wasn't going to last. We were so stuck in materialism. We were so stuck in, in chasing these, these illusions that I think it just kind of brought the whole world to a pause. And obviously there's a lot, a lot of tragedy and, and suffering happening right now. A lot of sickness and disease and and confusion, but ultimately, I think this is going to change the paradigm for a lot of people moving forward. Mm. But some of the biggest lessons, yes, non-attachment, I think impermanence, you know, just having this, uh, this greater wisdom that, yeah, even though things are pretty bad, but you know, that, that, that it will pass, it will change. It's not going to be this way forever. Um, I think just moving towards love, there's a lot of fear right now. So just having that direct choice right in front of you. Sometimes people, it's kind of abstract for people. Oh, choose love over fear. They don't really know what that means. But I think in this moment, you really do have a choice and it's pretty black and white. 
you can either be rolling in your fear, you can be watching CNN every night before you go to bed and, and just be kind of stuck, or you can do what you're doing and be proactive in, in helping. There's so many people in need right now. There's nothing to be afraid of. We need to just help people. And when you can come from a place of generosity and a place of giving, um, you know, the fear just seems to fall away. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. That's really well said. And I think, I think someone like you, you know, you have, you have an awesome audience and, and now you have a real opportunity to like strengthen that connection. And, mm. and sometimes like through a screen there, there's this, there's this separation. And, and I feel like now that separation is, is dissolving a little bit and mm. people are understanding like, like who really is showing up in a powerful way during these times. Yeah. And, and I think it's a great, a great thing, man. So are you doing these classes every, every other day, every day? How's that working? Great question. So yeah, it took me a while to adapt into the, the online classes. I was just pushing against it so much. But then mm. Uncle Brian was doing it, and he has this whole virtual schedule where he's just, just like he has his own yoga studio in Santa Monica, he just is doing it from his living room. And he uses this really cool website that streams, and it's pretty high quality. And, you know, so I, I kind of was inspired by that, and I started. I just did two classes so far. I did a vinyasa class and a yin class just last night. And it's incredible, man. We had people from all over the world join and different time zones. And we were able to, I got a lot of positive feedback. So, you know, I don't think it's me. I think yoga just really works. And if this is the way I can, I can step up and be a leader during these times, then, then I think that's the way I can do it. I love it, dude. I love it. And, and, and you mentioned this idea of impermanence. Can you like talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Impermanence is, um, you know, you hear it a lot. It's a yoga word. The Sanskrit word for impermanence is anicca. If you ever sit a 10 day Vipassana, this is one of the biggest teachings um, really of meditation is this idea that nothing lasts forever. Everything is constantly changing moment to moment. You know, no matter how big the storm, how turbulent the cloud, eventually it will divide, dissect and dissolve away. So I think the reason this, this teaching personally helps me in my life is whenever I feel maybe depressed or whenever I, I'm in a funk, sometimes I think the reason why people, you know, hurt themselves or hurt others or, you know, do bad things is because they think that whatever they're feeling in that moment is going to last forever. They really believe that on an intellectual level. So this is so important to have, especially as you progress, because, you know, when you meditate, so many things come up, so many illusions arise, and you really need to just have that understanding that whatever you're feeling, pleasant or unpleasant, it will eventually pass. Mm. Even pleasant, like if you're feeling really, really good, you know, just don't get too attached to that. Just know yeah. that. Yeah. And that, I feel like that's where humility comes in too, right? It's like, I'm, I'm sure you get praised all the time, you know, dude, you're 24 and like you have, you have this audience, you're traveling the world teaching, like your life is so perfect. And, and if you let all of that positive feedback ruminate, like mm. it's probably going to build and create some level of arrogance, right? Mm. So how have you been able to maintain this level of humility in your, in your very 
uh, a very young career, but it's it's been filled with a lot of achievement and success. Great question, man. Wow, that's you know how to ask the right questions. Humility, yeah, I guess it could be easy to to be arrogant, especially when you're you know everything seems to be working on from the outside. You know, um, you're getting all this positive feedback and people are praising you through social media that don't really even know you. It's easy to kind of put yourself on a pedestal. Um, but I guess the, I don't know. I guess the thing that makes, that brings humility to me is just connecting with people. It's kind of hard. I don't know. I, that's a great question, man. I, I have a tough time answering that, to be honest. I wasn't prepared for that one. I think it's, it's just a quality that you are born with. Some people are arrogant. Some people are humble. But I think that the more you, you really experience life and that the more people you connect with, I think the more you realize that we're all the same. And that, that once you can understand that we're all the same, then humility starts to be more relevant in, in your life. Mm. It's something that it's like a natural byproduct. I feel like anyone who's arrogant, they, they just assume they just assume that they know everything. But in reality, we don't know anything. So I don't know if I answered that, but. Yeah, bro. No, for sure. And, and I feel like I feel like a lot of that kind of what you said is this idea that we're always learning. We're always a student. So if you maintain that mindset of always looking to improve and grow, you understand like, okay, like I am doing a lot of things right, but. Mm -hmm but I still am striving to become a better version of myself. And, exactly. yes. and I think that's kind of like paraphrasing what you said. And I also uh, think like having the intent too of like being in service. Cause you know, I was just talking about this the other day with my girlfriend, you know, I travel all over the world and after class, you know, people will come up to me and they'll, they'll ask for pictures or they'll just tell me how much they love class. Sometimes they'll tell me how much they hated class. <laughs> um, but it's really, it's just, if you come from a place of service, that humility starts to come up. But if you're coming from a place, oh, I taught this great class, people need me, you know, they're telling me how great I am, then you start to move towards where it gets a little shaky. But as long as you know that I'm actually just being of service, I think the humility is there, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like the opposite side of the spectrum would be, uh, would be someone like Bikram, who... And I'm sure you, I'm sure you've like either seen the documentary or heard the story, but this is a guy who kind of brought these 26 poses to the West and he achieved, you know, a lot of success early on working with a bunch of athletes and celebrities in LA. And then he was teaching these massive certifications and, and really abusing his power. He, yeah. he, he definitely let his ego get the best of him. and. And for anyone who hasn't seen that documentary, I feel like it's a really good uh, demonstration of, of self-awareness and like how, how, yeah. yeah. And how like you can be on, on the top of the mountain and how quickly you can fall. And yeah. again, coming back to impermanence, right? Yeah. Bikram is a great, is a great example. I mean, you know, no judgment to him. I, I never met him, so I can't really say anything, but based off the, the Netflix documentary. I think there's a, a lot of gratitude for Bikram. He, he, he basically single-handedly brought mainstream yoga to the West. I mean, 
But where the ego comes in, and you can see this so clearly, as he said, these are my, this is my sequence. He tried to copyright yoga. He said, this was my yoga. When in reality, he was just sharing something that he was taught by his mm. team. So that's where he kind of went down the slippery slope. And then he started, he was, of course, in LA. And if you watch the documentary, you had the celebrities and the money, it all came, the cars, and he got carried away. And this is why we see a lot, a lot of spiritual teachers. This is the biggest thing that they all, they all confront. Osho, Bikram, you know, even Patabi Joyce, a lot, of, a lot of very successful spiritual leaders fall into this trap. Mm. over and over again and i think it takes a really wise person to 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 realize that this is not the answer you know this is not the the craving yeah Um, and and since you mentioned la i know i know that you spent a couple years there mm -hmm. um I'm, i'm curious to know because for everyone listening you know i mentioned in the intro jonah is basically like this yoga prodigy, right? Like your dad, your dad's like a prominent yoga teacher, your uncle. So, so mm-hmm. you were like destined for this, but it wasn't like a burden because you actually, you, you love it. And it's like your calling. So I'm curious to know kind of like that evolution, right? Like throughout your childhood and then that decision to move in LA and then how you evolved during that time. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, you know, yoga was always part of my life it, ever since I was a kid. I can remember just doing yoga in the living room. My dad was always teaching and, and I would be running around the studio as a kid. And it, it just seemed normal to me. You know, it wasn't normal for, for everybody else. You know, when my dad came into my third grade class and, and, and taught the whole class yoga, you know, it, it was different. It was cool. But it was, <laughs> I was a vegetarian. Kids would make fun of me. They would put, because you got to remember, like, you know, 20 years ago, or no, 15 years ago, vegetarianism was very rare. Yeah. You know, kids would try to, you know, make, force me to eat bacon and stuff like that. But so I definitely grew up, I, I kind of realized I was, I was like, I'm definitely not, there wasn't very many other kids now where I'm like so grateful that friends like you and, you know, Grant and Eric, like people that are so on the same vibration. They're, they're vibrating at the same level. It's really nice to have that. And now I feel like I fit in. But a lot of times when I grew up, I felt like I didn't fit in. I was mm. so different. Um, but so I kind of did push away from yoga. I wasn't, I wasn't that really interested in it. And I thought it was for girls at one point. I, I just thought I was more into sports. But as I got older, I started to really see my father and his element and not only just look up to him, but really see how other people he was helping. I could like see that you know, when people would come up to him after class or he would get all this feedback, I could see like their happiness or what they were letting go of. I'm like, wow, that's something I really admire. Mm. So basically, I, long story short, I took his, my father's teacher training at age 17. And then I moved to, um, and then I went to college for a year and I taught at the rec center. At mm, Col- what college? University of Colorado in Boulder. Hell yeah, bro. That's one. You only stayed a year? Only a year. You had that much fun, huh? That was a trap too, man. You know, I, I, I was smoking marijuana because that was one of the first states to, to legalize it. I kind of just fell into this fight or flight, just really bad addictions, you know, just with the marijuana and the partying. I kind of got caught. Even though I was teaching a little bit, I was working on my craft. I just got swayed and I was still trying to like fit into something that I wasn't. So I ended up dropping out of college and I moved back home because I was just depressed and I just wasn't feeling right. And 
I decided to take my dad's 300 hour. But I was also enrolled at a different college, a local college, it was a smaller school in Michigan. And I remember I was just at home working on my essay and I was copying and pasting and I was just bullshitting it. And this was the first day of the, the teacher training that I was about to miss. And I'm like, what am I doing? So I just closed my laptop. I dropped out then and there and I went to the teacher training and we all sat in a circle and they said, what is the most vulnerable thing you ever did? And I answered and I just said, I just dropped out of college. I have no plan B now. I'm going full into yoga. And ever since then, I don't really remember looking back. Wow. And I moved to LA and that kind of ignited a whole different teacher in me because I, I studied with my uncle Brian Kest, who founded Power Yoga. He's had a donation studio in Santa Monica for almost 35 years. So I got to really just see what he was doing there and kind of study under him and take hundreds of his classes and teach at his donation studio. And that kind of, you put me in LA where, you know, everything happens, just everything started to manifest from there. Dude, that, that's, so, that's so powerful, man. Like I literally, when you mentioned that part about being in the 300 hour and sharing that most vulnerable piece, like I got goosebumps when you said it because I can literally like picture that moment and, and you were really just acting with your intuition. Um, Most people might think it's scary. You know, why would you choose a career option as a yoga teacher? Most yoga teachers are broke and you know, that's kind of the case because yoga teachers don't make a lot of money, but I knew in my heart that it didn't, I wasn't like, Oh, what am I letting go of? I could have got a business degree, a finance degree. I just knew, but I think it did really help to have mentors because it gave me that extra certainty and confidence that there is a way to mm. success. I think you have to find success inside and then outside it comes financially or whatever you're looking for. So I just never was worried. But if I could give any advice to any teachers out there, I would just say really find a mentor, somebody that you admire, someone that you really enjoy taking their classes. I think mm. that's... Yeah, I think that's great advice. Like who who shares the same core values as you, who's creating results that, that you want to emulate. Right. Mm. Um, and, and I'm wondering, this is probably maybe an advantage that you had as well is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there probably wasn't like so much resistance from your parents about dropping out. No, no, zero. Your dad was probably, was your dad like fucking stoked? Yeah, I think he was, uh, I think he was proud. I think he, he gets um, a lot of joy seeing, seeing me share yoga. Yeah. And, and because I know a lot of people listening right now, they might be in a similar situation. Maybe they're in school right now, uh, or maybe they're just stuck at a job that they don't really enjoy. And, and they're in this rat race or in this hamster wheel because they're so concerned about other people's expectations for them and, and, and the appearance of, mm. hey, like I'm in school and, you know, I, I go to th this school, I'm majoring in this. And it's almost mm -hmm. like a badge of honor that they don't really give a shit about, though. Like, it's not aligned with their vision for the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, wow, that's a whole other topic. But, you know, my younger brother is kind of, you know, he's also rebelling the, the yoga path. And he's really straight and narrow. And he's ready to go to his university. He just got accepted to the University of Michigan. And he's ready to, you know, be a part of the frat and get his, like, he's just doing him, you know. But what's interesting that happened recently is a lot of students are very upset 
that they have to take their college courses online. When the whole, the whole coronavirus came, there was this whole article that came out about universities um, really not being able to charge as much because no one's going to pay 60K a, sem- a year for, to look at their professor on a Zoom camera, you know? So I think uh, the big thing of college, and I don't think college is a bad thing if you have the right intent. It can be a great bridge. It can really be a, a good place for you to find yourself and, and really just, it's almost like a middle ground to the, to the real world. Like you're not just going to leave high school and just kind of like go into the real world. There needs to be some kind of bridge and college does a good job of doing that. It's more about the actual experience. But then again, college was holding me back. So I think it really just depends. It's individual. Yeah. And it's important to remember, like I was just talking to this really interesting dude before this Mark Metry and this guy's just doing a lot of cool things. He's only 22. And we were talking about like, you know, uh, I've done a lot of research on education in this country. And, and basically the format of it was created in the industrial age, right? Like the industrial age. And this was literally designing people to get into those nine to five jobs and like to fill jobs. That was the purpose of college. And now in 2020, when you have unlimited access to the best teachers in the world, like I can do unlimited yoga classes with Jonah or his uncle on YouTube. I can access like videos of Tony Robbins or any other inspiring person I want to learn from. And and now what I think, what I think this whole uh, quarantine is really going to do is just expose a lot of things. So online learning. Great. So so it's going to expose individuals like, Hey, how are you showing up in the world? How are you, using this time? Are you just using it to escape and like just diving deeper into your phone and getting lost with that? Or are you going inward and using it as a time to learn a new skill set or, or surround yourself with good people and and, and elevate your capacity in some, in some way. And it's the, and it's the same thing with, with companies, like companies are either contracting or shrinking Uh, or they're using this time as like an opportunity to build their culture even stronger. And, Mm. and, uh, you know, I, I, similar to like a yoga practice, if you were practicing every day, like I'm hoping this takes your practice to another level. Cause now stillness, (laughs) stillness is like much easier to achieve when you're at home all the time. Uh, at least once a day, what are you doing? You know, we have (laughs) <laughs> we have enough time in our normal lives now. We, there's no excuses, you know? Yeah. So it's all about perspective. And I think that's a big thing, at least that I, I think yoga talks about a lot, right. In their, in their teachings is like this idea of neutral. Mm. Um, like it's so easy to label something good or bad, mm. you know? And, and, Oh, like your, your, whether it's like your handstand, like that's bad or, or like your spinal movements bad when really like it could just be used neutrally as information. Like you're gathering information about your body and building awareness. And then with that awareness, you're able to uh, take the necessary actions at improving. Yeah. I think kind of what you're saying is, is essentially that people are realizing that the best knowledge is not intellectual, but it's like through direct experience. Mm. Um, that's why I think, you know, maybe college isn't the greatest thing if you want to be an entrepreneur, because if you want to be an entrepreneur, the best way to learn that is just to go out and fucking do it, you know, yeah. through, 
through experience. You don't need a reader. So even in our, in our teacher training that we, we do every year, you know, we can read a bunch of books about yoga. We can even write about yoga. We can even talk about yoga. But what's the best way you're going you're gonna to learn? We just have to do it, especially with teaching. So from day one, we're going we're gonna to tell the students to get in front of the whole class and teach a sun salutation from day one because you're, the only way you're going to learn is through direct experience. Mm, I love you know, that. Obviously, important aspects of, of learning and, and doing your, your studies. And, but ultimately, you have to experience it yourself. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's just information. It's not, it doesn't really resonate. Knowledge, knowledge is not power. That's a common misconception. People think like, like you said, I'm going to read all these books. I'm going to watch all these videos. Knowledge is potential power. Mm. But, you, but it, it takes that necessary action to, to bring it to life. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of, that's why yoga practice is so important because, you know, when you're practicing yoga, there's, there's a difference between like just sweaty fitness and yoga. Mm. Yoga is really just Eastern calisthenics. That's all yoga is. It's calisthenics that come from India. But what makes it yoga is the, the quality behind the movement, the benevolent qualities that you're developing, your equanimity, your compassion, your awareness, your focus all these qualities that you're developing and the postures are just tools for you to increase all those qualities in your presence ultimately. Right? So my point being is that yoga is such a good middle ground because when we're meditating, we're, we're, we're trying to work on all these qualities, right? And we want to bring it off our cushion and into the world. Mm. So the yoga practice or when we're reading a book and we're, we're gaining all this information we want to bring it into the real world. But a yoga practice is kind of like that good. It's not quite real life, but you're kind of working on it because when you're in a hard yoga pose and you're holding it, you kind of have to use all your tools to get mm. through it. You have to read, you have to understand impermanence, like just like a relationship yes. with adjustments. So the yoga class is like the perfect in-between of meditation, just sitting on your cushion in your air-conditioned room to real life. So it's mm. an opportunity. And that's why a yoga practice is so beneficial. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I think, I think yoga, yoga, how you show up in a yoga class will really show you how you show up in the world. So <laughs> if there's a challenging pose, like, are you just going to avoid it? Or are you going to come out of it uh, uh, five seconds before the teacher says like to switch? You know, how are you showing up? Are you holding your breath and contracting? And, and if you're are you softening, are, yeah, you thinking, and, or are you surrendering? And if you, and if you, and if you, uh, if you leave a position early, um, yeah, it, it might be because you don't have that strength and endurance and resilience yet. But, but more importantly, it's like, where else are you doing that in life? Where else are you bailing and leaving, uh, before the finish line? Where else are you giving up? And then like the, sorry, the Shavasana, right? They say that's yeah. the most important pose. Mm. And, and, and I used to have like trouble just like chilling and like not scratching myself, like not like moving. And where else is that showing up in my life? Where else mm. am I struggling to just be present and with my breath? Mm. Well said, bro. I can't wait to have you in teacher training. It's going to be You're so already. much fun, bro. I can't yeah, wait. So I'm, I'm fully committed, by the way. Jo Jonah, I'm fully committed. You have my word. Woo! I love it. Congratulations for making that commitment. 
Um, yeah, I love what you said, man. It's like it, yoga is really just a great metaphor for life, you know, all the way through to Shavasana. You know, Shavasana is, is corpse pose. It's the, it's, the art of, it's the art of letting go. It's the art of dying. So going through a yoga class, yeah, but I, I just want to kind of clarify something really quick because there can kind of be a misconception, you know, when, when you're in a class, if you do bail, yeah, you, I think you just want to give yourself feedback because that might not always be a bad thing. I always say in my classes that sometimes the first student, the first students to drop down into child's pose first are often actually the most advanced because they really have, they know how to listen to themselves. Mm, true. You know, maybe Very there's true. a person next to them where they're just staying in the pose because they're afraid of listening, afraid of the teacher, afraid of what the person next to them is thinking about them. Mm. Well, it's like, the person's child's pose is really listening to themselves. Yes. So yes. I'm really glad you made that. that. That's very, that's very key that you said that. So I'm glad yeah. you did. So especially I just try to make that important when I teach, I don't overdo it, but just so people know that I'm not the teacher. Your, your, your life experiences are the teacher. I'm just making mm. based on my experience with yoga. So you're, you know, the most intuitive, most intelligent teacher in the room is the student. Yes. And then, and being able to pick up on that intuition, whether it's with your movement, whether it's with your relationships, whether it's with your food, I think is the ultimate goal. And like with my clients, I'm always doing my best to empower them. Like it's so, so easy to say like, Hey, eat this, don't eat that. I'd rather you like actually eat what you typically would and, and, and observe, like, how does that make you feel? Mm, exactly. and so that way you can almost, you're, you're being your own health detective in a way, right? Yeah, um, connected. You know, after yoga class, you don't want to go pull in the Taco Bell drive-thru. You'd rather go get a green smoothie. It's not like some, it, it's weird how, isn't it weird how like yoga and like movement is connected to raw, like raw food? Mm. Why is no one like just said this is how it is. It's there was something connected, intuitive about it. It's like after a yoga class, you feel so good. It's so true. Eat something that's nourishing that has like that's living. You don't want to eat something that's fried and dead, and you know. And it's like, and it's like, it's also the vibration. And I feel like the universe was, as a whole, firing on a pretty low vibration. And and I think that's why this thing is happening right now to force us to elevate that vibration and there's certain foods like you said that that are just low vibration foods like vegetable oils and of course it's like if you're gonna eat something like don't self-sabotage yourself i actually made a video about this yesterday because one of my clients like he'll send me a like three or four minute voice note or video every time he has like a cheat meal and he feels like shit about himself i'm like bro like if you did, like, if you ate that, did you tell me, tell me you at least enjoyed it in the moment. Like, like tell me you weren't guilty as you were eating it, like enjoy it and then don't sabotage yourself and then just get back on track. You just start again. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, sometimes I'm a, I'm a junk food vegan. I, I, I really love food just in general. So whenever I'm in a new city, I travel so much. I love to try the vegan restaurants and sometimes the vegan restaurants aren't healthy. You know, they'll be like, fried chicken, you know, fake substitute meat, which I know isn't great for me, but I, I just go for it sometimes because it makes me happy. But Jonah, you deserve it. <laughs> I deserve it. 
What up fam? Sorry to interrupt today's show, but this is really important to me because when I was a kid, my grandpa got Alzheimer's and I remember visiting him in Atlanta, Georgia, and he no longer remembered my name. And this experience really resonated with me. From that point forward, I knew I was going to do everything in my power to preserve my brain health, my cognition, my focus, my memory. And that's why these shrooms are so powerful because they're all fruiting body extracts designed, designed to really boost your memory, cognition, focus, while also improving your immunity. And The beta-glucans that are in there are what really drive your white blood cell count up and support a strong immune system. So whether this is for you, your parent, your grandparent, I really encourage you to take action and prioritize your brain health. And for a limited time, I have a super special offer for you. When you get the ultimate shrooms, you get a free ultimate elixir. Yes, you get a free ultimate elixir. This is 25 organic superfoods and adaptogens designed to aid your metabolism, your digestion, and create an alkaline and detoxified body. There's no more powerful way to start your day than with the ultimate elixir and the ultimate shrooms. So check this out. Go to liveultimate.com slash podcast slash live healthy and you're going to get both of them for the price of one okay it's time to make that commitment to your health make that commitment to your wellness go to liveultimate.com slash podcast slash live healthy and now let's get back to the show Yo, I'm, I was going to ask you because you mentioned the word depression a couple times mm. since we've been speaking and I'm just curious to know uh, your experience, like it, it, have you had bouts of that in the past? Uh, do you still go through moments where you experience that? And if so, what do you do to, uh, do to kind of reverse those emotions? Yeah. Well, thank you for touching on that. Cause this is not, I actually have never really talked about this on a, on a podcast before. Mm. Looking forward to maybe just sharing my experience so it could help someone out there. But you know, I, I think my, I don't even know if I want to label it depression because I think everyone has depression to some degree, Mm. maybe some more severe than others, but it started in college when I was, you know, consistently smoking weed. I was constantly suppressing and and what what drugs do is, you know, marijuana works for some people, but just putting that out there. But I think all drugs to some degree or substances, they they numb you. Mm. When you're numb, you can't feel. And how can you heal what you can't feel? So mm. that's a, that's a little fun one. So for me, I think it, my depression started in college and then I was like diagnosed with mono and it was just this, all this crap that I was going through health wise. And I think now at times I even go through like bouts of depression, you know, whether it's like once a month or week, it comes up in like really weird times and it can really hinder me. So I have to be like extremely on guard and I notice that now with, with this greater wisdom, I'm not blaming it. I'm not calling it chronic fatigue or I'm not trying to Google my symptoms. I'm really just trying to understand, okay, how much sleep am I getting? Am I eating the right foods? Am I stressed? You know, what's going on? So I really kind of look, take a step back and I'm looking at certain things that I'm doing that could contribute to it. And I've noticed that even little things like 
not having sex, or maybe I shouldn't say not having sex, but not ejaculating actually mm-hmm. helped me keep my prana. This is just like one tool that I, maybe we could touch on. It's a little, <laughs> a little interesting, but for guys, I think it can really help. I think we're, we're taught as men to like, oh, it's, it's, you, know, you need to ejaculate to be a man. But no, I mean, that's your secret power. If you can hold your- Right, energy, that's your chi, right? Your life force. Yeah, if you want to really get into it, if you're a guy that's listening and you want to take your testosterone and just your overall prana to another level, check out Man. Chia. He's a Zen Buddhist teacher that really just kind of talks about it at a different level. And I've been experimenting with it, you know, going seven days on, maybe longer. Like if you go seven days, nine days, 14 days, you even, even say boxers do that like a week before their fights. And it makes sense why. Yeah. So I'm curious with that because I've actually spoken about that before. Uh, so and I, and I want to talk about your relationship with Renee too. So this might be a good segue. So are you talking about um, strictly like not masturbating for that length of time and, and still like having sex or is it completely uh, removing all of that stimulus? No. So, well, I think there, it's, it depends. Great question. So ultimately you want to get to a place where you can still have sex but you don't actually release your seed. But got that's it. very hard to do. I mean, have you gotten to that point? No, I'm a beginner. That's really <laughs> difficult. If I said I could do it, I'd be lying because, and very few people can actually, actually do it. Now, if you're masturbating consciously, you can almost use that to train yourself to get to that level. But there's, you know, a ton of exercises. I don't even feel right talking about it because I'm such a beginner, but it's, it's really, really an interesting way to harness that sexual energy. And the cool thing about all this is once you refrain from ejaculating for, let's say, seven days, you have all this extra energy and it might drive you crazy. So you might, you have all this sexual energy. So it almost forces you to get your movement in during the day. meditate Because that energy has to be directed. So it's almost like a good way to force yourself to do those things Otherwise, you're just going to fucking go crazy. Yes, dude. I'm so, dude, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, feel like, I feel like with going back to what you said about like very few people can do the actual penetration without with, with suppressing that and like withholding. No, ejac- ejaculation without um, or having an orgasm without ejaculation. The correct way because you right so interesting so what i was gonna say is i feel like we could probably do it but it's like we it feels so fucking good so it's like are we willing are we willing to sacrifice oh, it's all like, mental. Are we, yeah it's dude it's like it's all about the spectrum it's like we Especially know this when you get to that point of no return you know what i'm talking about <laughs> so Yes, I do. And uh, yes, it's, it's very, very challenging. I would imagine that if you have like a consistent partner mm-hmm. to, to practice with, you yeah. know, similar to acro yoga, right? You're going to get really good at acro yoga if you have a partner to consistently practice and you get familiar with each other's bodies and your trust levels uh, are, are increasing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I would imagine you're in position to practice a little more than for say me 
Uh, being um, a single no, dude. You can practice yourself, you know, just with yourself. Um, yeah, with my just, left hand. Yeah, exactly. It's just, just as powerful. And I think that, um, you know, that there's actually techniques that you can do. Just check out Montauk Chia. But as far as the partner thing goes, yeah, it's nice to have one partner. I think just in general, you know, if you're sleeping around a lot, you know, no judgment. I think everyone's looking for connection and you just have to know why you're doing that. And there's a, there's an exchange of energy that's happening and not, it's not always a good one. Yeah. So be sensitive about that. I think is important and cautious. That's one of the precepts that we talk about in teacher training. It says no sexual misconduct. And essentially what that means is, is really not to have sex unless you're in something that's committed. Mm. And I think ultimately that just protects you. It protects the girl. You don't want to make an, you don't want to hurt anybody. You don't want to hurt yourself. You think you're hurting someone, but you're really just hurting yourself. Mm. And hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So you don't want to create that chain of negativity. And and it always happens that way. Once you go to that point, then someone's going to get hurt. So I think that if if you're going to have sex with someone, just fucking make a commitment and, you know, and don't go there if that's not the right person, you know, take some time. But that's just my perspective on it. And it's worked for me. And it's been really nice to be in a relationship and, and, and have that space where, yes, it is safe to, to experiment. Mm. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. It's been, it's been uh, over two years now, right? With your girlfriend? Yeah, yeah, over two years. So, so I'm just curious, you know, as someone... I'm selfish right now, right? I'm a single dude, um, but I, I completely choose to choose to be single. But it's not like I'm going out and like banging girls, right? Like I'm so locked in and dialed into uh, to my vision for the world and my mission that I'm really like that's my priority, and mm-hmm. I'm open. I'm completely open to possibilities. Like, like I feel like there's people out there that are manif- doing their best to manifest someone like me into their life. So that's the type of energy I really put out. Like, um, and like you said, uh, I, I really, uh, I really don't want to mislead anyone and just act on like, uh, act on like a feeling of, yo, I just want to get it in or something like that. You know, I've been there and it doesn't feel good. Like you said. So I'm just curious, kind of what are some of the, key components of your relationship that's enabled it to be so successful? You know, it's not perfect. (laughs) Let's put that out, first of all. Um, But I think it's just like, you have to know what you want. And yeah, there's, you know, there's temptations and there's, you know, I'm traveling all, all the time. I'm meeting so many, so many women, but you know, I, I have the wisdom that the fantasy is better than the reality and that it's just not worth, it's just not worth it. I'd rather, and, and, and Renee really protects me too. Cause you know, then I don't fall into that trap that Bikram fell in and that all these other spiritual leaders fall into because they have so much of that. This actually being in a relationship really protects me. Cause now when I'm teaching yoga, I'm not thinking of any, I, I'm coming in with a pure mind. Mm, I love that. It, it's just, it protects me. And I, you know, my connection and love for Renee is, is, is more than it's not worth breaking that for just a moment of pleasure or mm. whatever you want to put it as, but I'm you know, curious. 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm curious to know, like, especially early on with the relationship, was there a lot of jealousy involved? Because I feel like what I've experienced in, in my life is like, because I do facilitate events, like whether it's speaking at an event or teaching a class and like some girls I've been with in the past, like have felt, uh, and maybe they didn't like verbalize it, but you just get that vibe that there's like some sort of jealousy. Like when I'm like talking to girls after like taking pictures or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, jealousy comes up both ways, you know, I think, you know, but I think the jealousy goes away once you really have that, that trust, but that takes a while to build. Um, but of course, initially there was jealousy both ways from her with from me and me to her. But I think that jealousy just comes from a place of, of insecurity. It comes from a, place, a lack of trust. So of course there's a lack of trust in the beginning of a relationship. You're just kind of figuring things out and learning about each other. But after a certain point, you kind of, you, you kind of see someone's character and, you know, I, I know, I know my partner and I know that, you know, what, she, what she's going to do and where her heart's at. And, you know, that's, that's that. Where's she at right now? She's in Michigan as well. Oh, nice. So have you guys been able to like spend time together during this whole thing? Yeah, we have lots of time. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Are you, have, have you been practicing your, uh, retention? I have been. Yes. My man. So I'm full of prana. I'm about to go do some pull-ups after this. <laughs> Let's go. Yo, yo, Joda, Joda, when you master this whole prana uh, optimization uh, that we're speaking of, I would love, and maybe, maybe if you can take like an accelerated course in the next three weeks, three months, sorry, you can, you can teach it at the retreat. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah. It, um, like, Co-teacher Andrew Seeley is, is, is into it as well, and um, he's, he's very experienced in it. So, yeah, we'll definitely bring it up. You know, we got to be sensitive, though, at the, at the training, just with the, the women there. But we'll definitely have chances to drop in and talk about it. Um, yeah, and, and you'll ultimately be practicing it for the whole training because we have a strict rule that, you know, we ask you to abstain from that for the whole training just to keep your focus inward because we don't want you to just be distracted by all the – Bali mama's walking around, you know, she's Jonah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I might have to, I might have to just watch this from the outside. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where no, I'm out of my life. Even if you, you know, you, there's going to be a lot of, of, you know, beautiful women in the training. And even if you end up connecting um, with a girl in the training, I challenge you to, and both of you, and we're going to talk about this to, to just observe each other and really develop a, a, a solid relationship and just don't go there. Just let your entire focus be on the yoga. Mm. I think that's what you're there for. That's the whole point of this immersion. You know, it's 21 days straight. Um, you don't really get that kind of experience when you're at home and you separate the training over eight weeks. You know, this is like from day one to night and day, you're committed, you know, you're in your practice. So that, We'll get into that, but let's, let's move on. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And, and curious to know, because growing up and, and again, you, you're in this, basically born into this uh, lifestyle. And, and obviously you had the choice to go on whatever path it was. And for, for a minute, you scared off of that 
but you wouldn't have really found the path if you didn't steer off initially, right? And, and I think it's good to explore all the possibilities that the world has to offer. I'm wondering, because I heard you mention uh, that your dad and you have definitely had some challenging moments in mm -hmm. your relationship. And I'm yeah. just wondering and curious a little bit about that father-son dynamic for you. Yeah, you know, great question. Oof, you're, you're a master at this. Um, wow. So, yeah, me and my dad's relationship, I think, has gotten better, I would say, over the years. Because it started, you know, he was my basketball coach. And my dad really, I mean, he's always been a basketball fan his whole life. You know, he watched Jordan growing up. And um, so he would rebound for me. And I remember him picking me up after school and taking me right to the gym. And he wouldn't let me leave the gym until I made, I think it was like 250 shots or something like that. And all the kids, actually, this was at the gym in my school. So all the kids like at school knew that my dad would make me stay in the gym and, and shoot a certain number of free throws or whatever until I could leave. And I just remember getting so fucking mad at him. And I remember throwing the ball at him one time. I remember him, you know, there was just so much tension. Even though my dad's a yoga teacher, he has so much passion and discipline that I think we just, that really created a lot of tension. Mm. So I ended up, he ended up hiring a, a, a new basketball coach for me. And then our relationship got better. <laughs> wow. But, you know, with, with yoga, I think it never really happened like that because I always thought, like, I didn't think my dad was a good basketball player, but my dad's an incredible teacher and a storyteller. So I study his classes just like Kobe studied Jordan's tapes. I listen to his recordings. Even when I'm abroad, I, my mom sends me his recordings via voice memos. And I listen to wow. him in practice just because, you know, he really, he doesn't teach the same class every day. He's an, uh, an incredible storyteller. So... I feel a lot of anyone who takes my class is like, wow, Jonah, like sometimes it feels like I'm listening to your dad, but I only take what resonates. So if he says something that I don't really connect to, I'm not going to just repeat it. Right. I only share what truly resonates in my soul. And then I share that. Um, but what was your question again? Cause I, I was going to mention, oh yeah. So going into yoga, you said, is that really all you're going to do the rest of your life? You're like, when you chose yoga, don't you want to try anything else? Is that kind of what you asked or no? No, I was really just asking kind of for, for more information on that, on that father son dynamic, which, which you started to dive into and, uh, and yeah, just kind of how that's evolved with time. Yeah. I think we just, you know, become more, I guess, as we get older, I'm sure it's similar with you and your father, but I think as you get older, you, you just realize that they're not, they're your parent. Yes. But, they can become your friend as well. Um, just being more comfortable, like not worrying about them getting you in trouble. Like when you were a kid, you know, there's a certain point where it's like, okay, they don't have to tell you what to do anymore. So now you can really just have cool conversations and just become friends. That's the yeah. best way to have it. I think I'm still working on that. I think there's still perhaps maybe a, a father son dynamic that kind of, you know, dictates the relationship. Like ultimately I still want to make him proud and I want to, you know, I don't want to disappoint him. I don't think anybody wants to disappoint their parents. Yeah. But it's, you know, maybe my dad's not happy that I, you know, tried mushrooms or something, you know, but that's, I'm a grown man. I can make a decision for myself. And I think that, you know, once you can get over that and develop a friendship with your parents, then it's like, it starts to be fun. Yeah.
I love that. And and what is something, Jonah, that you are committed to creating in these next few weeks? You know, it, it's kind of uncertain how long we're going to be in this situation for, but but your world personally, you know, with all the travel, with all the teaching and and the retreats, you know, for for the moments on hold. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, like. What are some things in this time that you are really committed to creating and expanding? Beautiful. Um, I think personally, like on a, on a personal development, um, I'm just trying to expand my, my creativity. So whether it's through music, I've been playing the ukulele, um, just trying to work my brain in different ways. Um, I've been rapping. My younger brother's a rapper. So he, we just wrote a song. Can't wait to share it. Hopefully next week. <laughs> we'll drop that in the show notes. I think this song will be live by the time this show airs. Oh, for sure. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Um, I'm taking a few online courses. I'm, I'm cold plunging every day. We have a cold pool. Um, you know, just, to, just trying to expand. I don't want to like become stagnant. It's so easy to st- sleep in till noon and watch Netflix. and um, Which I'm still doing some of that too. I'm not perfect, but... Um, also, I think I want to challenge myself to just do, just to give away stuff more, maybe just be of more service to people who need it. Um, I think there's still a little fear of like driving down into Detroit and like touching, not touching people, but you know, the fear of getting this virus, which I think I already got, by the way, <laughs> I think I already have antibodies. I would almost bet. I would bet on it. Yeah, bro. I feel the same way. Yeah. I just heard this really inspiring story. I read an article. I, I don't Maybe we can put it in the show notes, but it was about this guy who he lived in a small town and there was like 500 families and there's only three stores in the town. And as soon as the virus kind of got out, basically they shut the whole town down and nobody was working. And these people didn't really have any money, but this, this specific guy was very successful and he ended up going to each of the stores and pre-buying gift cards at each store for each family. And then somehow... So when people came to the grocery store, they had 50 bucks. Or when they went to the local restaurant, the one restaurant in the thing, they had 50 bucks for their family. And he did it for 500 families because no one was working for the month or whatever it was. And just little things like that inspired me. You know, there's, there's other people that went to the grocery store and they hoarded things. They bought toilet paper or they bought a gun because they were afraid that people might rob them. You know, so it's like, not that either one is wrong, but which mindset would you ra- do you think helps the person sleep better at night? The person that was like, you know what, I'm just going to help everybody or I'm going to buy a gun and put it on a... Yeah. It's like, what, karmically, what do you think is going to be better for you? <laughs> so, I, think, I think that's... We were talking about like how this type of situation exposes who you are, right? It's just like, it's just like money, dude. Like, People, I think a lot of people too, in like the, the spiritual realm, they grow up with this paradigm that money is the root of all evil. And, mm. and, and I think that's why you see like a lot of yoga teachers and trainers like struggling. And I, and I really, really am passionate about empowering them. Like, listen, your vocation, your service is so valuable. You need to understand that like, like getting money is not is not evil because that's going to allow you to impact more people. Mm. Again, it comes back to intention. 
Like if you're an asshole and a douchebag and selfish and you get a bunch of money, then you're going to be even a bigger asshole. But if you're kind and compassionate when you're broke and you get some money, like, oh, damn, like you're about to make a huge impact. Mm, what's that? You know what I mean? And, and, and mm. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I, I know that uh, you recently, like maybe a month ago, made a post about like the world needs more uh, like, yeah. yeah. The world doesn't need any more money makers. We need yeah. more tellers, more healers, more artists, more yeah. garbage pickers, you know, more. We, and I think that that's true. I think that, you know, when you have money as the main goal, and I, I definitely got caught in this myself. I think that it, it, it takes you away from what was really important. But on the side note of that, if you're looking for abundance, I think if you just follow the recipe for success, I like to share for anyone who's listening is find something you're passionate about, you know, then master your craft, really try to become the best at it or the best you can be. And then maybe find a, a way to charge for it in energy exchange, because that's a kind of good recipe that I follow. And I think that charging is important because you have to understand it's not, you're not charging, at least for me, I'm not charging for the yoga. You can't put a price tag on yoga, can you? It's invaluable, you know? Um, I'm really just charging for my energy or, you know, so I can provide food for my, myself and my family. I can provide a roof over my head. That's what I'm charging for. The yoga is not what I'm charging for. So yeah. just to make that clear and really just to know your value as well. I think that comes into play. That's I've, I've learned that from my mother. You know, I feel really fortunate, especially being a yoga teacher because, you know, it gets so easy to get stuck in teaching for studios and making this much per class. And you get kind of stuck just like a nine to five person may. I'm really grateful for my mom. She helped my father reach the success he's had. And I've, I've kind of taken her notes, you know, as soon as I started traveling and teaching workshops, at first, I was like, okay, let's just do it and see what we do. And now she's like, no, you have to give them this contract. And she's mm. kind of really taught me a lot about business. She's really intelligent, so I'm grateful for my mom. Um, but yeah, that, <laughs> so. go for enlightenment first. But, you know, financial abundance will follow. Don't go for financial abundance and then try to go for enlightenment. It's really the other way around. 100%. And, and, and I think... I think one thing that, that I talk about a lot too, like with, with uh, some of these other younger teachers and coaches that, that, I, that I help support is, is, um, is the idea of like personal brand for me is like not about how many followers you have. It's really about like connecting with your audience and understanding their pain points and mm. how you can serve them at the highest level. And I think, and I think that's often a misconception. It's like, it's like, okay, that's cool. You have a million followers, but like, like if they saw you in the street, would they, would they be inclined to like, say what's up and give you a hug and, and, and like, and, and build and building that connection, right? Like that relatability. And that comes from being authentic and vulnerable, like you talked about. And, and I, and I know that's a big part of your classes is like infusing some vulnerability into yeah. it. Right. Of course. Yeah. I think the more vulnerable you can be as a teacher, um, the more you can connect with your students because then they feel comfortable and they can soften around you. Mm. I think that just comes through your, your classes. Yeah. I think 
even as a coach and a mentor, I think the more vulnerable you can be, even in any relationship, the more you're going to really connect at a deeper level. What has, what has vulnerability, Jonah, opened up for you specifically when it comes to uh, yours and Renee's relationship? Um, I mean, even just in all relationships, I think it's so easy to um, put up a, a front and a facade. And I think just even with me, like some people think my life is perfect. You know, I travel, I take pretty pictures all over the world and I try to show some of the imperfect moments as well too, just to bring some balance there. I don't want to ever lead anyone in the wrong direction and make them feel bad. So um, especially just in interpersonal relationships, just kind of being congruent with where you're at. I think congruency is really important. Mm. You know, Don't try to just like always act happy or have a smile, just be with where you're at. And I think that's really helped me just connect with, with all people. I think you're really authentic and congruent with where you're at. I think a lot of times people, and I can even feel it right now through my experience, the reason I feel like I can really just have a, a solid conversation with you is because you're, you're really open. I mean, you, you put yourself out there. I mean, you're running around town in a Spider-Man costume. I mean, talk about vulnerability. You know how many people would be afraid to do that? Because they may, they may be afraid of being judged. They may be afraid of, you don't give a fuck. And that's one of the things I respect about you. And I think that is actually helping you become successful. And, and I think it's actually allowing people, I'm sure you people, so many people reach out to you now, you know, saying, asking for help because you made yourself open first. Right. Like, like, yeah, I appreciate that, bro. And, and I think a big part of it is, is again, identifying areas of yourself that maybe you're wearing a mask or maybe you are uh, not staying true to your core values or core competencies. And man, I'm telling you, bro, like it's so liberating. Uh, and of course I feel like we're always a student, like we said. So, so there's definitely things that I haven't yet tapped into. Um, but being able to, be your most authentic self is such a beautiful feeling. Mm. And, and I feel like the biggest thing that that opens up is empowering others to do the same. Mm. And especially when it's someone like, you know, you, me, Grant, like, like powerful men, right. Who are doing the work. And that again, creates a new narrative that mm. it's like, you know, you can be, you can be this, passionate, purposeful man, and, and also, also express yourself vulnerably and authentically. And, and, and I know, you know, it's funny, bro. Cause I'm, I'd like the thing we were talking about, like about personal branding and, and it's again, like authenticity is such a big part of that. Mm. And it's about building like true fans. People get obsessed about followers, but it's really about, it's really about building fans, Mm. And, and, and if you can build and cultivate fans who genuinely connect with you on a deeper level, then th like, and I'm sure, you know, cause those are the people that are coming to your retreats. Those are the people that have been following you who, who see you at Envision Festival and they're like, Jonah, oh my gosh, like I followed you, but now like I am sold. When's the retreat? And, yeah. and you've done a great job of over the years, like building a following and also having 
those true fans, which yeah. is a beautiful, a beautiful place to be. Yeah. And that, thank you for saying that. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love traveling so much because I get to connect with, with everyone that's sharing this journey with me in person. So it's like, if I go do a workshop in Germany, it's amazing. People, I post about it and people actually come and we create this like in-person connection and it really makes this whole social media thing worth it. I think when did, that, when did that journey kind of start for you? When did you really start to put yourself out there and build a following and audience? Um, I think it started, started right in college when I started teaching yoga. I, I was for a project. I had to take pictures of myself doing yoga for a school project. So I had a friend that was a photographer and we just went around town and we took some cool um, yoga photos. It was actually for his project. He asked me if, he, if I could pose for him. And I was like, oh, sure, this sounds cool. And then I actually ended up, he sent me the photos and I posted one on Facebook or something. And I got like a ton of good feedback. They're like, whoa, that's cool, man. Teach me how to handstand. And um, so I just kind of went with it. And then I was like, yo, like, do you want to do another shoot? Let's do like get more creative. Let's, and we kind of like kept shooting. And then that kind of led me into a journey of photography. So like a year later, I ended up was like, man, it's expensive paying all these photographers to shoot. Why don't I just learn how to do this myself? <laughs> so I bought a camera, I saved up some money and I bought a Sony camera and um, got a different lens. And I had a mentor as well who was kind of showing me the ropes, which camera to buy and how to edit. That's a whole other process. And it just kind of became this another form of like self-expression and art. And it was cool because it started, I started just taking pictures of me in different poses. So like, if you go back on my Instagram, it's just me like literally like just trying to force myself in like cool shapes, <laughs> which is like kind of, it's kind of shallow, you know? And now it's kind of evolved into me like really trying to create art. Like I try to like really express a feeling. So if I'm like in nature, I try to do a pose or sometimes a pose isn't even necessary. I'll just sit there and meditate. Like a majority of my pictures now are just me sitting mm. um, because I don't need to, to force myself into a posture that, that that's not what yoga is about to me. That's not what my teaching is about. Yeah. We'll still do fun, creative sequencing, but ultimately that's just preparation for the final goal. It's just preparation. So you can sit for longer periods of time. But Instagram and photography and videography have just been like a creative way for me to share my messages and resonate with people and reach a larger amount of people. That sounds like, uh, so it sounds like that one year at Colorado, you got a ton of value. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was for sure uh, a blessing in, in itself. I mean, whether it was positive or negative, you know, it was a blessing. Everything's a blessing. Yeah. So that was, so that was about five years ago that you started and yeah. then, and then you've just been like consistently building that audience for the last, like what, three or four years with intention. Yeah. When I moved to LA, it was cool. Cause then I started to be able to collaborate and, you know, collaboration by far is the best way to, to succeed. Just like what you're doing. You're collaborating with someone else. That's what a podcast is about. Um, for sure. And that, what a great tool to, to, you know, expand your audience, to, to learn. So when, as soon as I moved to LA, I'm like, wow, I'm surrounded by so many. I mean, LA is fucking incredible. It's a mecca of talented people all in one city. So I was doing photo shoots. I was taking other teachers' classes. I was interviewing people. I was just kind of like, just collaborating with everybody, you know? And then I started to kind of get some recognition. And then, you know, 
little do you know, Spiritual Gangster reaches out. Aloe Yoga reaches out. And now I'm on Aloe Moves and now I have a way bigger audience. And then Nike reaches out. You know, all these companies um, to be content. <laughs> we'll tell more about that later. I can't <laughs> say too much, but some big things have happened from that. And yeah, man, it's just a collaboration. I owe it to that. Hell yeah, bro. You a Nike boy? You a Nike athlete, son? Yes, sir. Yo, I want to get the Jota cast like yoga shorts, yoga tank. Like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, working with a brand like that um, is just really powerful because they, you know, the power of the swoosh. They have a, they have a big opportunity to share yoga with so, so many people that aren't exposed to yoga. Yeah. And people that are doing sports already that are already athletic, now they have this other exercise and tool to not take them away from the other sports, but to actually increase their performance. For sure, that's, man. That's kind of like what people don't understand. They think, oh, I don't want to do yoga because it's going to take me away from my CrossFit or my movement practice or whatever they're doing. But no, if you really understand yoga, that's why so many professional athletes are turning towards yoga because they're realizing it's helping them mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, you know, just like LeBron's doing yoga now, Kobe, rest in peace, was a huge yogi. Phil Jackson, make everyone meditate before their games and visualize. Um, I went to an NBA game last year. I saw Steph Curry, you know, doing stretches with his coach before the game. And and at the end of the game, he brought his thumbs to his heart center and Namaste is coach. And I'm like, Steph Curry's fucking Namaste? I mean, this shit is like really <laughs> the best in the world. Yeah, so exactly. exactly. On a mainstream level. I mean, growing up, yoga was like only, no one knew it. My dad was the first yoga studio in Michigan or in, really in the Midwest. And now yoga is like this thing that every girl has their little lemon pants. You know, it's like, yeah, athleisure, athleisure in the last decade. Like, God bless those yoga pants, man. I'm super grateful for those. Um, Jonah, I'm curious to know, uh, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. Are yeah. you opposed to hopping on like a 10-minute IG Live or do, would you rather do that another day? Um, I think we should do an IG Live a different day just so we okay. can like, reset. Yeah, I, yeah. I want to yeah, like, yeah. make the IG Live really special with you. Okay, cool. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I just, perfect, perfect. So, Jonah, let me ask you, dude. Um, so, it's your last supper, right? You have the most delicious plant-based meal in front of you. Like, all the, all the, all the good stuff, bro. Like, you got the plantains. You got the almond butter. You got the berries. You got the granola. You got it all. Yeah, you got the avocado, of course. Okay. So now, so now here's what you have to do. It's your final supper, right? Uh, and you have to pick three people. It's only a table set of four. Uh, you can't, you can't bring your family or Renee, uh, to the dinner table. So okay. you have to pick people outside of your direct lineage. Who, who's going to be sitting at that table with you? Ooh. So it can't be family or friends. It can't be uh, like, no, friends are cool, but it can't be your girlfriend or uh, your, your family. Can I? Okay. A anyone, huh? So it's kind of like, who, who would you have dinner with, your last supper with? Yeah, but it, it, it's like, you can ask them anything. You can find out anything, dead or alive. 
dead or alive. Oh, now we're now we're getting fun. Well, of course the Buddha would be there, one hundred percent. Okay. I don't know how fun he would be, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure he, he might just sit there in silence the whole time. Who knows? <laughs> might have might have got me there. Um, <laughs> the Buddha for sure would be there. Um, plus, maybe like a really dope musician. Right. Mm. No, I'm just going to keep it race. No, I can't say Drake. That's whack. <laughs> um, Nothing whack about Drake, bro. Yeah, but someone really... Freddie Mercury. Oh, wow. Dude, I All just right. saw the movie the other day. That dude is next level. So you got yeah. Freddie Mercury on one end. You got Buddha on the other. You got one more, right? <laughs> oh, someone. So I have an artist. I have a teacher. Ooh, and then I would bring in gosh. five, four, three, two, one. Ah! Damn, bro. You can't be indecisive, ah, dude. This is your I last dinner. Fuck. Um, is there we'll someone? Say Kobe. We'll say Kobe. Ooh, that's going to be such an interesting dinner. You got Jonah Kest. You got Buddha. You got Freddie Mercury, and then you got Mr. Kobe Bryant himself. Yeah. Wow. Been, yeah, he's, he's really special to me for a lot of reasons. And um, I think I would just love to be in someone's presence who's really just found mastery in their craft. I mean, just to absorb some of that like Mamba energy and Freddie Mercury just to kind of Maybe whether he performs or not, just to see his vulnerability and his just his full expression of himself and not giving a fuck, just really like witnessing that in person. Um, and then the Buddha just soaking up that wisdom, you know, maybe bringing some of my deepest conflicts to him and seeing and getting some advice, even though he'll probably just turn it right back on me. <laughs> wow. I got that vision. We should like, we should make a picture of that. We should like, uh, and make a dinner table, and it's you and them three. That would be pretty dope. I want to cool. like commission it out to like a and like do like a cool long table, and then I'm gonna see. I'm gonna I'm gonna work on that actually with my virtual assistant, my VA, and uh, I have two of them, and I'm gonna see if they're up for that project. I think okay. that would be super epic. That would be sweet. How my about dude? Go What's ahead. Up? No, go ahead. Dude, I'm curious about that vein in your in your forehead. Uh, oh. Yeah, that, I was just cursed with that one. It no, that would do that. It, it gets even bigger when I do handstands. Does what? it like? <laughs> does it? Uh, does it like? So I have like a very similar type vein. What's up? Uh, I have a very similar vein. Yeah. Uh, in my neck, right here, and like when I'm like, ah, like maybe it's. Oh, I see it! Whoa! Yeah. That thing is huge. Yeah, bro. I feel like like people who are vascular, like it, it's like, ooh, blood flow, passion. Let's get it. Yeah. It's like huge right here. It's so epic. I fucking love it, bro. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, Jonah, let me ask you, dude. Um, we're about to wrap up. What is one thing that you want to leave people with? You know, this is going to probably air in about, I would say, a week and a half, two weeks. So we're most likely still going to be in this quarantine situation. What's one thing that you want to leave all of our listeners with today? Um, I guess I would say 
to have that wisdom and just really trust that wherever you are in your life, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm. I think once you really can believe that, everything is, everything just flows. Mm. Not you're not aversion. You don't have aversion to where you want to be. If you're not there yet, or you don't have craving of being somewhere. Um, I think just really just accepting where you're at. That's really powerful in itself and really believing it. Yeah. I love that, bro. Dude, uh, Jonah, I want to make sure that everyone here connects with you and, and, and really starts keeping up with your journey because it really is such a beautiful one that you're on. And I think this is such a cool part of the journey, this, this stillness, this grounding into your roots. Uh, so where can people connect with you? Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. That's where I post the, the fun travel yoga pictures that I was talking about. Um, so Kest Yoga, K-E-S-T Yoga. Um, my website, jonakestyoga.com. There you can find my retreats. You know, we have a retreat coming up in India. We actually had to postpone it. So we still have some spots in November. And then we have a teacher training coming up in Bali. We do those every year. So um, yeah, just let's connect through social media there. Want me to get my phone number? Too? <laughs> no, that's only for me. So, so guys, um, definitely connect with Jonah. This dude is is literally one of the one of the most elite leaders in the spiritual realm and in the yoga space and just really a, a a fucking quality human and i'm so grateful that i'm not even sure how we connected um but i'm grateful that it happened and mm. and i can't wait to actually exchange energy in person mm. um it's, it's gonna be beautiful dude just having you at the training is just gonna elevate everybody and just make them i can't wait to see you just like Rah! Let's go, baby. I can't wait. I can't wait. I, it, it's literally like on my Q2, uh, I, make, I make my goals for each quarter, each three months. And for Q2, it was like, uh, it was like, make sure I just get everything in position by the end of June. So I'm good for traveling the next two, three months. So um, after all this, it's going to feel so good to just explore. Yes. Yes, guys. So you already know what time it is. It's time to be your most authentic self. It's time to step into your power mm. in full acceptance. Like Jonah said, accept with where you're at now, but, but, don't, but don't be afraid to step out of your comfort zone because that's really where you're going to find so much possibility. And you were put on this planet for a reason. You are capable of so much greatness. And Jonah and I are here to support you through this journey. So guys, you already know what time it is. It's time to get outside. Start moving that body and exchange energy. Podcast fam, thank you so much for listening until the end of the show. Your energy genuinely means the world. And the best way for me to continue improving this experience is for you to leave a review. Let me know what your biggest takeaway was from today's show. It genuinely means the world to me to get your feedback so I can continue evolving this experience. Your word of mouth is my oxygen. Thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait for next episode.